folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am not excited to discuss uh, this Denver Nuggets loss as the Nuggets. They lose to the Chicago Bulls, 117-96, and, and what I would only describe as an apathetic affair, it felt like the Nuggets did not have the energy to seriously compete in this one. They did not have the want to to seriously compete in this one. And honestly, that's fine. I think they've earned it at this point where you get a bad loss here, bad loss there. Denver's been running hot in clutch time recently. Definitely feels like they could have dropped one of those games previously. So the basketball guys just evened up things and decided, eh, let's uh, let's just give them a big old loss tonight and make it easy so that hey, you can't you can't come back in clutch time on that one. But uh, either way, uh, what's up, Stefan? What's up, Hurricane? Uh, thanks, guys, for hopping in. I know that nobody's hopping in on the Losers Lounge. I, oh, that's a that's a DNVR thing. I'm I'm sorry about that. Nobody's hopping in on on just a a loss in a live podcast affair. Uh, it is okay. Like I I am definitely not worried about this one. Robert has a really good point here. I can understand and accept why Denver lost. They didn't care. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, this is one of those ones where people are not going to remember this game at all. You, you, I think will take a couple weeks. You'll probably remember it because you're a Nuggets fan. You'll probably remember it because, uh, Nikola Jokic lost his 50% plus winnings or his field goal percentage streak at 51 games. Bear in mind, like he'd been playing great for a long, long time. And it has been, I think, MVP caliber for a long, long time. He's not MVP caliber tonight. There's no doubt about that. And we're, we're going to touch on some things in Conspiracy Corner, I think, that should be really interesting in that third segment. So make sure to stick around if you're here. Uh, but first, let's go over the rest of this game. Let's go over uh, normal formula, starters, bench. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We have a lot to talk about, I think, with each of those groups we got to start with the big fella, Nikola Jokic, as he, again, you see 7 of 16 scrolling down on the bottom of the screen. 7 of 16 in this game loses that 50% field goal percentage streak. And it was bound to like, go down at some point. And I think it is apt that it went down tonight in a game where he attempted nine threes. I'm not sure why he, he attempted nine threes. He didn't really give a great answer about that in the post game, just said that that was what he felt like the team needed, basically. And I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that it probably would have been better for him to really establish himself on the interior. But Denver had not been shooting that great around him. There were definitely some, I think, lack of passions in terms of getting into the paint, really fighting for position and offensive rebounds and things like that. And look, Hard to be surprised. I I do think that Denver gets a pass on this one. Jokic gets a pass on this one. Uh, Even though I'm sure there will be a lot of folks nationally that will be like, oh, man, he's not even playing like an MVP against the Chicago Bulls at home. How dare he? Look, he put up 18, 12, and 8. His defense was atrocious. There's no getting around that. But the thing is, is that Denver just dropped to 46 and 20. They're 30 and 5 at home. They were always going to have a stinker like this at some point. And just because it comes on March 8th as opposed to November 8th doesn't really mean anything to me. It's, it, it happened and it'll, it'll be fine. 
Uh, I'm not going to go out there and, and defend him and defend the effort level and think that, look, this is this is justified. It's not really justified. I think that he could play better and he probably should play better. But the bar is just so high for him in general. Like when, when you are a two-time MVP, when you are a guy who has so much pressure on him to perform, I do think that there's a lot of folks that are like, oh, he has no more questions left to answer in the regular season. The questions are in the playoffs. And so maybe Jokic felt the same way. Maybe he's like, okay, there's no more for us to do in the regular season. Let's just move on to the playoffs. He doesn't say that, and and he didn't say that in the post game. Although you got kind of got to take it at face value. Uh, he said that Denver they have to take this one step at a time. That they should continue to use these moments as uh, building blocks for the rest of the postseason for the playoffs when they come around, and that there are only so, so few occasions where they actually get to work on their stuff in the regular season. But then again, there's 82 games. And it's a lot. It is a lot for anybody. And I'm not surprised that this happened. I'm not surprised that anything like this happened with the starters. They had been running hot, as I had talked about, in clutch time. And, and this was bound to happen. This was bound to be kind of the the overall basketball gods adjustment to everything. So not really worried. Uh, he shot three of nine. He shot one of four from the free throw line. I think that when you see both of those numbers, you see, okay, there wasn't as much intentionality and focus in this game from Nikola Jokic. And, and the defense, I think, is it is a fair criticism, especially on a night like tonight where not only were the Bulls making everything, but Jokic also was kind of giving it to him on a silver platter, whether it's the pick-and-pop jumpers to Vucevic, whether it was driving lanes for the guards and the forwards. It definitely didn't feel like he stopped anything. And I think there are fair criticisms there. So the difference is I think that he'll be able to level up in the playoffs a little bit when he actually cares. And it's not really as big of a deal tonight. Jamal Murray, 35 minutes tonight, only 11 points on 4 of 15 from the field. And the big kicker here, 1 of 7 from 3. As many people know, Jamal was just two threes away from setting the all-time franchise record for three-pointers made for the Denver Nuggets and tying Will Barton tonight. He tried to get over the top of that. I think he made his third three of the night and then proceeded to miss his next four, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, it just it happens. Uh, sometimes when you feel the pressure of said record, sometimes when you feel uh, the pressure of not really playing well as a team, some, sometimes those things go hand in hand and you spiral a little bit. How many times has Jamal really gone four or 15 from the field this year? Hasn't felt like it a lot. Especially lately, he's been above... I don't know, 40% from the field for most of the for most of the year, frankly, and has been very consistent, especially lately when it comes to his shooting percentages and the way that he approaches it. It has been a while since he has shot poorly from three. And I'm not really surprised that like this was always gonna happen. Steph Curry sometimes doesn't shoot that well. And like sometimes it happens, guys. Like I I think Bruce Brown, when he was in his postgame tonight, he said maybe it's just one of those nights. And maybe it was just one of those nights. Maybe this is just how it goes sometimes, where sometimes it's hard to talk about games like this, where you, you don't know necessarily what, what guys are, like, what exactly matters, what exactly doesn't within the grand scheme of things. I think uh, for Jamal, he probably could have shot better tonight, probably was thinking about the record a little bit too much, and was definitely pressing a little bit, but not just pressing. He also, I thought, was intentionally not trying to shoot threes at the beginning of the game. I don't think he took a shot. 
in the first six minutes of the game. And, and I don't know if that was by design or not. But then he comes out and he comes back in with the second unit, starts taking some more shots, and then starts really getting them up as, as the game goes along. And I just don't know if he ever got into a rhythm. I think it would have been nice for Denver to try to get a play for him where he gets free off of a cut, where he gets free off of uh, just various actions. And it felt like he kind of passed out of some of the easy shots or not easy shots, but easier shots at the beginning of the game. And then sometimes the shots just get harder as the game goes along. And then he didn't really respond to that well tonight. So look, it is what it is. Kind of like Joker. Jamal's been super consistent. And I do not think that this is a, I do not think this is a in indication of anything to come. I think this was just one game out of 82. Michael Porter. Only 24 minutes tonight I thought was surprising. Uh, I thought that the way that Michael Malone handled the rep, uh, the rotations tonight uh, wasn't great. I think that there are some things that he could have done better, especially getting Porter back into the game a little bit sooner and try to go on a run, try to uh, start up the offense a little bit more. But uh, we'll talk about some of the, the problems that I have in the second segment. I do think in general that Porter started this game and, and wasn't shooting efficiently, but I thought he was getting great shots. I thought for the most part he was in the flow of things, and for whatever reason, the shots just didn't go down for him tonight. It felt like he was making them when I was in the building, and then I looked down and he's, oh, he's one of five, or, or he's four of 12 or whatever he was at one point, and sometimes it just happens, and, and it just felt like that was more of a symptom of the issue with Denver's offense, which was... Jokic didn't really get into the paint that often. Murray wasn't driving through contact all that often and settled for some jumpers. Uh, I felt like there were definitely some things where Denver's offense was a little bit, they were playing through Aaron Gordon a lot in the second half. And, and that was just, I think they were trying to force feed a matchup a little bit as opposed to playing the right offense and playing the right way. And it just, it didn't happen. And I think Porter's the guy who benefits the least from moments like that. So uh, look, he wasn't bad. He was only a minus two in a game the, the Nuggets lost by, what, 21? And he wasn't out there for that long. And so, like, Jokic was a minus 14. Murray's a minus 14. Bruce Brown a minus 24. Again, we'll get to the bench soon. But Michael Porter, only a minus two in his 24 minutes. I don't think that he was the problem by any stretch of the word. I just don't really think he was the solution. Let's go to Aaron Gordon, who had a good matchup for tonight. There were definitely some moments where he should have been better. Six of 14 from the field, one of three from three. And I do not think he did well in terms of dealing with the physicality inside. Usually he does a great job with that. Usually he does a great job of getting to the rim, getting and finding the open space. But I thought the Bulls, I was actually pleasantly surprised by their defense tonight. I thought their defense was really good and, and really physical at the point of attack. But also DeMar DeRozan. Uh, Zach Levine, those guys were locked in on, on this night. And it definitely felt like everybody, uh, like the opportunities for Aaron Gordon, the easy opportunities dried up. And then he tried to fight through some more difficult opportunities. And that was, that was tough. But the real thing that sticks out in my mind with Aaron Gordon is the four of nine from the free throw line. This is becoming a thing. Like it, it just is. I'm, I'm going to, let me just look up the actual three, uh, three, Free throw percentage right now. Gosh, if I could only speak words. Uh, he's down to 63% from the free throw line 
on the season, and that's before tonight. 63% is not very good. I'm sure he will be down closer to 62 after tonight where he goes 4 of 9 and shoots basically 44.5%. Look, Aaron Gordon's going to get targeted in the playoffs and targeted in the realm of, hey, you cannot let him get an easy shot around the rim. If you have to foul him, foul him because the chance that he scores at the basket are like 75%. So if you foul him and ensure that you don't give up one of those opportunities and just wrap him up, force him to earn him at the line, if he's shooting 63%, then it's actually a way better mathematical proposition for teams to just defend him like that and force him to earn it. And I think Gordon at this point, I know he's mentally tough. I know there are definitely things that he does well. I know there are definitely things that uh, he fights through and cares about and is very strong and feels very strongly about. But the one thing that has really sagged, uh, lagged behind in this particular year is his free throw shooting. And that could be his biggest downfall in the playoffs where Denver needs him to go, I, I don't know, six of eight in a game when he gets sent to the line intentionally several times in a row. And instead, he goes three of eight or two of eight, and that would not surprise me. Like It just wouldn't. It's not that far off from what his percentages actually are. So, look, sometimes Jokic can struggle at the free throw line. He struggled tonight and went one of four, but he's shooting over 80% of the line, so it's not really something I have to worry about consistently with him. With everybody else, it's usually pretty good. Like Denver's got a pretty good core of starters from the free throw line. Everybody, I think, is above 80%, if I'm not mistaken. Now, Aaron Gordon's got to figure that out. Like, he, he's the weak link at that point. And he doesn't want to be the weak link, that's for sure. Uh, Robert does say he's been pretty clutch with the free throws, though. Yeah, he's definitely had some clutch ones where in the in the proper moments, especially last game uh, against Toronto, he definitely hit some shots that were important. But I do think... In general, <laughs> Denver's got to be – they've got to get more from him. They have to get more, and it cannot just be fighting around the rim. He is going to have to hit some touch shots. He is going to have to hit some threes. He is going to have to take advantage of the open space that teams give him because when he sits on the three-point line, teams are going to live with it if he goes one of four. He needs to go two of four. Uh, teams are going to live with it if he has to get fouled at the rim. If he goes four of nine from the free throw line as opposed to seven of nine, that could be the difference between a win and a loss. It wasn't tonight, obviously, but it's something that I will be watching going forward. And finally, KCP. 31 minutes, five points for KCP. He was just off in that first half. I'm not even sure if he took a shot in the second half. Felt like he was getting up shots early and then really tailed off as things weren't going really his way. Did have three steals was probably the most effective defender tonight in terms of who was actually guarding and guarding well. Uh, I think Jamal, when he got switched on to DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, did not do well. I think that Aaron Gordon, when he was guarding DeMar DeRozan and or Zach Levine, he did not do well either. So I think that Denver, they need KCP to be great. They need him to be more consistent. And I've, I've said and lauded KCP for his consistency for the entire year. So. Do I think that this was just one of those nights? Yes. Do I think that this is something to be concerned about? No. Do they need KCP to be better? Sure. That's about all, all it is. Three steals is great. Four assists is great. 
Uh, definitely thought the ball moved reasonably well. Uh, Michael Malone was not as happy with the ball movement tonight, but I, I don't think it was actually that bad. Uh, I do think that the ball movement with the bench, though, and we'll get to them in just a little bit here, but there, there's a lot to work on. It's it's definitely one of those games where the starters kind of phoned it in. I thought that there was some effort, some effort given, though. I don't want to uh, fully discredit them for the effort in general, but I do think that they played the wrong way as opposed to playing the right way on both ends of the floor. And this is just one of those things that like, a team like the Bulls that really needs to win is going to fight through that. They are going to punish you for that. And I think Denver definitely took them lightly and probably shouldn't have. So is what it is. But tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench lineup. And I have some serious thoughts there in general. But first, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Superbook is giving you the great chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. So make sure to download the Superbook Sports app now or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. we're back. Pickaxe and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, I know that this is not one of those fun ones to actually discuss and to actually hang out for, but I I appreciate all y'all that are in the comments. Make sure to go give this a like. Make sure to go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. I know we're putting out much better content than this uh, on on these particular losses. We, we, We also do this during wins, so if you're, if you're hanging out with a loss, I think it means you're a real one, but make sure to go share it out. And, uh, we'll, we'll see if we can pique the interest a little bit in segment three when we do some con- conspiracy corner. Should be a lot of fun. All right. Let's do the bench lineup now. Let's talk about Reggie Jackson, Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and Thomas Bryant. Uh, first, general thoughts about this group are that it's not a good bench. It's pretty easy to figure that out. Uh, There are a lot of flaws with this group. The three-point shooting with this group is not good, despite the fact that as a unit, I think they combined to go, what is that, seven of ten tonight from three? It definitely wasn't that, or actually, oh no, Jamal Murray was was one of seven. So like off the bench, the entire bench was seven of ten from three. Obviously, Jamal staggered with that group and I think dragged some of that down, but he didn't really take a lot of threes with the second unit anyway. It was more of a uh, taking threes with the starters. That that was the issue. But look, the spacing with that group is not good. I think that they hit some shots tonight and I hit the, I, they definitely hit some shots and as, as we talked about, but the most important thing is that they did not get any stops. And you would think that a team of veterans – uh, with I, I know Reggie Jackson is not a great defender and Jamal's fine. Uh, Bruce Brown should be better. Jeff Green should be better. Thomas Bryant should be better than what he's shown. And 
uh, as a unit, that group has been really bad when it comes to the defensive end. And I, I think that Denver looked pretty poor. Uh, Patrick Williams off the bench for Chicago played 30 minutes and was a plus 23. Kobe White played 26 minutes, was a plus 22. Uh, whether it was DeMar DeRozan, whether it was Vucevic, whether it was Levine, any of those guys staggering, it definitely felt like to me that Denver had no business uh, playing the way that they played off the bench tonight. And I, I, you can't just blame them because the starters were also bad too, but really the bad vibes with the with the game started when the timeout was called and when Denver, like after their first five minutes, went to subs. And Bruce Brown was one of the first subs, Reggie Jackson, Jeff Green right after him. And it just feels like that group doesn't make sense and they have not fit. Thomas Bryant, same thing. Like he, he needs to be included in that as well because it, it just hasn't been good. Um, Reggie Jackson tonight. Actually, we'll leave this up. Reggie Jackson tonight was two of eight. He did not have any turnovers. Uh, he only had two assists, but he did not have any turnovers. And yet it felt like every time he touched the ball, I was scared that a turnover was going to happen. I thought that the way that he played tonight and the looseness and the uh, lack of discipline and crispness really showed through. He did not get to his spots well. He did not get the ball where it needed to go. And it felt like every single play the Nuggets ran on the second unit, whether it was an action they were trying to use to get downhill, whether it was a side pick and roll, whatever it was, it ended with a high pick and roll at the top of the key with five seconds left of the clock. And what that says to me is that the formula is not working, is that you do not have a group that knows how to get the ball to the valuable spots. And whether it was Vucevic in the paint or Drummond in the paint, Denver didn't get to the paint tonight. They or And when they did get there, they actually shot pretty poorly. And it's not like Vucevic or Drummond are great rim protectors. That's not who they are. But I just think that Denver did not handle that well. And I think Reggie was one of those guys. He just does not – it has not worked with him out there leading the group so far. And whether it's Jamal out there, whether it's KCP out there, the thing about Reggie and the thing that was about Bones is that those guys need to take ownership of the unit. And I know it's hard for Reggie to take ownership of that unit, but with him, with Jamal, with Bruce, you have three guards that are each about 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". And like, I don't know, like they're all kind of ball handling guards at times. Like it, your identity with Bruce is probably somebody who's a secondary ball handler, somebody who's a secondary creator. And they're all kind of like needing the ball. Nobody is very comfortable standing off ball and making an impact in that regard. And I think that with Jeff Green not being an outside shooter, although he went two of two tonight, with Thomas Bryant not really being an outside shooter, although he went two of two tonight. So it, it's making me sound like I'm insane, like just because I'm, I'm saying, hey, the, the spacing is bad, but they went four of four as a tandem. It is bad. It is bad. Like the opposing team does not respect them at all. And because those guys aren't willing or able to just pop threes consistently and be comfortable with taking those shots, it comes down to, okay, the Bulls are still getting what they want to from a defensive perspective where they cram the paint and then you're not really punishing them from outside with a lot of volume. 
Jokic took a lot of threes in the, with the starters, and Porter took a lot of threes. Murray took threes. Those guys, as a trio, combined for 23 of Denver's 40. I think that Denver needs to have better spacing with their second unit. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I'm not sure how they actually do it, but I, I do think that that needs to happen. Like That's probably part of the reasons that they don't get free as consistently as you probably need them to get. And I think Reggie is one of the reasons why he is not precise in getting to the rim, especially when he's under ball, ball pressure. Uh, he is not a, like, he has good passing. Like, he can he can hit the open man, but I don't think he sees it all the time. And I think one of the things that's made Thomas Bryant not as effective is that when he screens and when he rolls, it's really hard for the guards to hit him because either they don't see him or they can't execute the pass. So Denver's got to figure some things out with this bench unit. And Reggie, I think, is at the core of it right now because he's the guy that's uh, sort of in that. But Jamal may just have to take more ownership of that bench unit and be the point guard. And if that's the case, then Reggie is going to have to pop threes and be fine with that. But they can't just reset at the top and do pick and roll with five seconds on the clock every time. Bruce Brown thought he was better today. Not necessarily good, but he was definitely better. Nine points, eight rebounds, two assists. One steal, but a minus 24, I think, really does tell the story. Uh, Reggie was a minus 16 in his 24, but Bruce Brown, minus 24. Denver, when they went away from their starters, especially in the first half, was not good. They did not have a good rhythm. They did not have a good focus. And I think that's one of the things that... Let me just actually show this right now. Uh, This is a graphic that I made earlier today. Let me hide some of these things. This is a graphic I made earlier today that I posted on Twitter. And I do think that it tells a lot of the story when it comes to what Denver does well, what Denver does poorly. And these are net ratings. So basically anything that's green is really good. Anything that's red is bad. It's just plus minus data basically. And I think you see the starters who are mostly in the top left outside of Bruce Brown. I think you see the starters are very good when they're combined with each other, when they're on the court with each other. I think that anytime a bench guy comes into the game and is actually playing major bench minutes, things have been horrible. And so Denver, they've got to figure this out. They have to. There is a a lack of identity with the bench group. There is a lack of focus with the bench group. And I put this up during Bruce Brown's segment because I think that he is part of it. I think that if you look at during in Bruce Brown's segment here, minus 9.3 with Christian Brown, minus 11.7 with Jeff Green, that's bad. Uh, 13.8 with DeAndre Jordan, that's it is what it is. But if you go down, uh, minus 16.7 with Reggie Jackson, minus 32.1 with Thomas Bryant. And those are just like, I mean, those are horrible. Horrible in general. And it goes to show just in a very visceral way that things have not worked with this group yet. And how long Denver has to make it work, I don't know. They are trying to force some things to go together. But the fact is, is that Bruce Brown, he is a guy who needs to be very good and very impactful. And him being at the three, as opposed to being at the one or the two, I think is one of the reasons why he has not been impactful. 
think Denver needs more size. I think against a team like Chicago, where you have Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, why didn't Christian Brown get an opportunity? Why didn't you go with somebody like that? That would be one of my criticisms with Michael Malone, is that this is a is a very obvious matchup in my mind to try to get Christian Brown out there. And they didn't do it. And, and look, it is what it is. There will be other opportunities for Christian Brown. But this is one of those times. This is going to be one of those opportunities in the playoff series where if you need a player like that, you have to know they're ready. And he better know that Christian Brown is ready to go. Because if he doesn't, then there's going to be uh, there's going to be some pretty weird lineups, and, and you're immediately going to go to six players in the rotation, basically, with just the starters and Bruce. So Denver's going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to be willing to do some different things. And one of those things might be, hey, rest Bruce Brown for a game when you need a little bit more size on the wing. Or uh, sit down Reggie and play Bruce Brown at the two and Christian Brown at the three. Shouldn't be that hard. Jeff Green. A very limited box score tonight, 15 minutes, six points, had the two threes that he got up, missed a shot. I I don't even remember where the other shot came from, but had four rebounds, had two fouls, and no steals, no blocks, no assists, no turnovers. was just very much just out there, and I think that his defense was also really poor. And he's one of those guys that, look, uh, he had a great game against Memphis, and he gets credit for that. And in the two games since against the Raptors and now against the Bulls, he has been horrible defensively. And he's not the only one, so calling him out on that specifically is probably wrong, but you have to talk about it. And in the graphic that I had up just now, Jeff Green is red across the board, and the plus-minus is bad with him across the board. And there is a reason for that. It's because he hasn't been very good this year. The two threes were good, and I made note of it on Twitter earlier, but that was all he did. If that's just all you're going to do and all the impact that you're going to make, then Denver needs more, especially with this bench. like They just can't have Jamal do everything. They can't have Bruce do everything. They have to have other guys that contribute in different ways. And Right now, Jeff Green's just not contributing. Uh, Vlaco still has a sprained wrist. Zeke Nagy, they said he was going to be evaluated in two weeks. I think that was close to a week ago. So maybe there's reinforcements coming along the way here relatively soon, and Denver can kind of go back to a rotation. That includes a younger, more athletic forward that uh, can help out a little bit. But I don't know, Jeff, Like it definitely felt like as as much as the rest of the starters and, and everybody kind of phoned it in, Jeff phoned it in a little bit too. And Thomas Bryant, uh, don't get tricked by this box where he did have uh, two of two from three. As well that I didn't I didn't plug in there, but both of the both of those were in garbage time, and I put up zero rebounds, zero steals, zero blocks for a reason. Uh, he has not been. He is also a guy who has not been super involved. He didn't grab a rebound tonight. That's bad. Like like thirteen minutes, you're the biggest guy on the floor. Grab a rebound. Like this should not be that hard. And I do think that Thomas Bryant may be cursed. I think that that's one of those things that. I said that on Twitter today that there are plays that he makes. There are like he's trying extremely hard to fit into what the Nuggets are trying to do. He wants to help them win a title. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But I do think that Denver, they've just got it like they've got to figure it out with Thomas Bryant because I look back at that net rating chart. I'll put it back up. Um, 
if you look at Zeke Naji and the way that he's played with the starters, he also has a good pairing with Vlatko. He also has a good pairing with uh, it's it's a it's not a great pairing with Bruce Brown, but to me it just says that Zeke could do some things as the five. It is not just set in stone that Thomas Bryant is going to be that guy unless Zeke is just hurt for the rest of the season. And if he is hurt, then that's one of those things that like you've got to you've got to deal with. But uh, Denver they need somebody else. They need somebody else in the front court that they can trust. I think it's going to be Vlatko. But Vlatko has a sprained wrist right now. So who knows? Who knows what it's going to end up being? But overall, just not a good game for this Nuggets team. They, they, I think fans deserved a little bit better than what they got. Chicago fans that were in the arena were way louder than the Nuggets fans, and they had much more reason to be. So look, 30 and 5, hard to really complain too badly. But in general, I do think that Denver, they, they probably needed this wake-up call. They had been slacking a little bit over the course of these last few games outside of the the Memphis game where I I think that they played pretty well. But in general, things have been a little bit lax. And now you get burned for it. And the hope is that you learn from that and you move forward and you play better. So hopefully that message is received for everybody from Jokic on down. That would be my message to the team. But like, who cares? They don't listen to me. So, tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we will go over Conspiracy Corner, as I have various conspiracies as to why Denver was playing as badly as they did. We'll be right back. Final segment here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you're sticking around, you are a homie. Thank you so much for hopping in. Uh, let's go over uh, 46 and 20 record, now 30 and 5 at home, 16 and 15 on the road, but still first place in the West. Look, this team is really, really good. I don't need to tell you guys that it was a very odd thing for them to come out and lay an egg on uh, this Wednesday night, but the good news for Denver is that this doesn't happen very often and there are only 16 games left to go. And the magic number for getting that top seed in the West is still just 11. It's still completely in their control what Memphis is going to do, or what Sacramento is going to do over the course of the rest of this year. We will see what they actually have in store. But Sacramento plays tomorrow night, as does Memphis. If both of those teams lose, then Denver's magic number will go down to 10. So we'll see, but both of those teams are at home. Obviously, Memphis is without John Morant. Sacramento, they are hosting New York, and New York is as good of a team right now as as any in the league based off of how they're playing lately. So it's possible that both of those teams lose, and Denver, like this this loss doesn't really mean too much uh, to Chicago. So we will see. We will see what ultimately happens, but I am not super worried about this game. What I am worried about is. The conspiracies. I'm worried about what Nuggets fans think happened tonight. Was it a was it anything? Was it something? Was it nothing? How are you going to uh what what's going to go down? What's going to go down with this team? I think that uh there are some things behind the scenes that oh man, 
Maybe they didn't want to win tonight. Maybe they didn't want to perform well. What was going on? How, how did things go? Uh, Stan Kroenke was a shoot-around this morning. Maybe he gave the message to the team that, ah, no, you guys are winning too much at home. Slow it down. Like, come on, 30 and 4? Let's make it 30 and 5. Come on. We don't, we don't, we got bills to pay here, but not that much. So, uh, we will see, uh, what actually happens. But I have five conspiracy theories here. If you want to share your own cons- conspiracy theories in the chat, make sure to hit, hit that up right now. Uh, my first conspiracy theory, Nikola Jokic, he just wants desperately out of this MVP race. Desperately. He is sick and tired of the drama. He is sick and tired of the narratives. All he wants to do is play basketball, and now that's being taken away from him. It's not fun for him anymore, uh, especially now that Denver has clinched, or basically they're going to clinch a, a top seed in the West if things don't go that poorly. Uh, that's my first conspiracy theory. Uh, today, Jokic was talking to the uh, to media at Ball Arena uh, right before I left, and he basically said, yeah, uh, he saw the Kendrick Perkins video of saying, hey, the only reason that Jokic is getting the success that he has is because he's white, is because white voters for the MVP award are looking at Jokic and they are uh, definitely like they, they want to vote for him because he is white and because none of the other candidates are. And let me, I mean, I don't need to tell you that that's utter crap. And that that's stupid and, and we should not be going down that road because I don't think it's borne out at any fact. And actually, there was a, a post by ESPN this morning uh, for, on first take that was like, hey, actually, yeah, we, we got that. We got the 80 percent of of MVP voters white thing. Yeah, that was wrong. Uh, we, we got that wrong. Uh, so there are a lot of folks that are just saying stuff to say stuff. And I think that Jokic is very possible, like, it's very possible that he just wants out of it. He's had a lot of drama. He has a lot of pressure from this, uh, from being the two-time MVP. Being the three-time MVP heading into the playoffs as a one seed with a a large-ass target on your back, or really it's on your head, it's got to be not fun. It's got to be pretty, pretty difficult for him to be dealing with on on an every single day level. And when he's just watching YouTube at home trying to look up horse racing videos, and then he sees Kendrick Perkins just spouting bullshit. Like, that's going to rub him the wrong way. And I'm not surprised. So, let's say he threw the game. Let's say he threw the game tonight. He took nine threes. He's like, ah, this this field goal percentage streak that I've got. Let's just put this to bed. 7 of 16, perfect. We don't need to keep it going. I'll still be 7 of 16. It's fine, but not, not a big deal. And then I'll take three of nine threes, which is more threes than I've really taken at any point during the, during a home game this season. Uh, I'm I'm not sure how much I believe in this conspiracy, but I do think that he probably wants out of the the MVP race. He wouldn't like throw a game for it, but I do think that he wants out desperately and would love to be out of the spotlight as far away from it as possible, just so that he could focus on the basketball. Because right now it's not about basketball, and it's stupid. Number two, Nikola Jokic and Nikola Vucevic, who are good friends, uh, very good friends off the court. They were playing too much CSGO last night. Couldn't believe the KD that they had. Uh, they were having so many great retakes on the bomb sites. Definitely not even worried about a basketball game today. And maybe Vucevic was like, hey, if I give you this op dragon lore, I'll, uh, I'll decide, hey, yeah, can you, can you allow me some free shots in the game tomorrow? And I, I 
it's again, it's a conspiracy, but I, I heard that they were, they played CSGO together, which I think is pretty funny. But in general, it is, it's just one of those things where I'm, I'm so utterly frustrated about all the narratives that I'd rather make it about CSGO. I'd rather make it about that. Like, who cares? Who cares? We're just kind of having a fun time. And that's all, that's all this has to be, folks. Like, just, let's just have some fun with it. Um, number three, let's say Jamal, he, he just, uh, he was so tied up in this, in this franchise record, in everything that was going on tonight. And he really wanted to make it perfect, but he also didn't want to be that guy who was jacking up threes at the beginning of the game, trying to get his own stats or whatnot. So to counter that, Jamal forcibly tried to avoid jacking up threes and his actual passiveness mellowed Denver out today. They usually, they are involved with, with his aggressiveness. He's the fire. He's the guy who draws out that competitive energy, that competitive edge. But it wasn't until, I think like midway through the second quarter, that he hit a three. And so everything kind of mellowed out. Denver didn't really, like they had, their, they were playing their best basketball, but Jamal hadn't really taken a shot in that first quarter. And then he comes out of the game. And oh man, that passiveness had just mellowed Denver out. They did not want uh, anything. They, he was just, he wanted to get the, the three-point record at one point, but to do it in a loss, that's uh, that's pretty tough. So maybe he's just uh, missing on purpose at that point. So no, I, I, again, I don't think that this is actually a thing, but it would be pretty interesting. I, I would want to see Jamal hit it at home. I would want to see him uh, be able to celebrate the moment and celebrating it while 20 points down. That's what LeBron James does. That's not what Jamal Murray does. Come on. So number four, the Nuggets do not give a damn about the Bulls matchup on March 8th with the one seed all wrapped up. Oh, wait, no, that's not a conspiracy. How did that get in there? That's just a fact. Crazy. It's crazy how that works. Like, that's uh, that's just a that's just a fact. I'm, I'm not sure how that got into my list. That's uh, that's interesting. But look, I mean, Denver, like I talked about, this is a this is a very low leverage game for them. They do not need to prove anything against the Chicago Bulls. They're not going to face the Bulls in the playoffs. They do not need to like home, proving and, and holding down home court was really the only thing that they really had pride for tonight. And obviously they didn't give the fans the show that they wanted to and or maybe they that they didn't care to. And it's not really a surprise. They don't care about the Bulls. This is not a thing that they really needed to uh that they really needed to go for. And so look, they're they're fine. It's it's something that you just move on from. You go to San Antonio, you put on a show for the San Antonio fans, and then you come back and, and you play on a Sunday and hopefully the the vibes are all better against the Brooklyn Nets. That would be my thing. Number five, the last conspiracy theory here. The next game that the Nuggets will play, like they care, is against either the Knicks, the Bucks, or the Sixers. Now, the Knicks will be, okay, you've got a team that's actually a playoff caliber team. There are very few games that Denver plays over the course of these next few where they actually play against a playoff caliber team. The Knicks are one of them. They've been playing really well. And it would not surprise me if Denver decided to get up for that one at Madison Square Garden. But after that, I, I think that game is either March 18th or March 19th. The next game that they could really care about is a week after that against the Bucks on March 25th. And I think they care about that for Yoke. I think they care about that as kind of a litmus test for how great they are as a team. 
going up against another championship contender that they you get that competitive fire going a little bit. This is one of those rare matchups, especially late in the season, where you can actually test your metal. And it doesn't really matter that much in terms of the actual like seeding or anything, but it does matter if you want to have home court advantage throughout the playoffs. You have to win all those games. And it does matter if you want to have bragging rights for Nikola Jokic to win a third straight MVP. I don't know how seriously or how much he wants that. I don't know what the, that environment is going to actually look like, but it does seem to me that either the Bucks or the Sixers game is as great of a shot as ever for getting the next real barn bird, the next real competitive game where both teams are going hard. And I got to imagine that Denver will need one of those matchups or need both of those matchups to really be a tune-up for the playoffs. You can't just go into the playoffs without really trying for a full month. You need some opportunities. You need some uh, tests along the way in order to sharpen, in order to get the, to be the best version of yourselves that you can be. And right now, Denver has some things to figure out. They've got some uh, some bench questions to really navigate. I don't know whether they're going to get healthy. I don't know whether Blacko or Zeke really changes the rotation at all. But the fact is that Denver, they've got some things to figure out. And there are going to be some good opportunities for them along the way to sharpen their claws. And I do think that against the Bucks or the Sixers, especially, maybe not as much the Knicks, although that's a an MSG game, like you, you might as well. But actually, that, might, that game might be pretty early on in the day, like maybe 1.30 Eastern, 11.30 Mountain. So that's going to be a hell to, to wake up to. But either way, it's it'll be interesting to see what Denver does. I'm thinking that uh, if they don't try in any of those games, then I'll have a little bit more concern about their competitive fire, but uh, they, they're pretty much stamped for the rest of the playoffs. It's just about picking and choosing what they do along the way, and I think that they should pick and choose those particular moments. So we will see, but for now, folks, I think that is going to do it. Michael, can you hit that outro music for me? Folks, that'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. I, I know like it's tough on a loss. It's tough in that. But I try to make it fun at the end. So hopefully everybody had a laugh. Hopefully everybody had a good time. It's not a big deal. Denver will bounce back from this. Their goals are way bigger than just the Chicago Bulls. I am not worried. You should not be worried either. Let's just have a good time with it. And hopefully have a better game next time. I think the Nuggets are going to approach it in much the same way. Hit that like button on the way out. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys very soon.